Hi all, today I will be reviewing the U-Cubed article called Valuing Difference and Growth, a U-Cubed Perspective on Special Education, written by Joe Bowler, Professor of Mathematics Education, and Tanya Lamar, doctoral student at Stanford University. <laughs> Sorry, those are my dogs. This article outlines the dangers of writing off any students in a school um, because of sort of perceived weaknesses. Um, Specifically, they're talking about students with learning differences or learning disabilities, as we tend to call them, which uh, are the students who I service in my classroom and school. So this article was of particular interest to me. So I know in my school and um, region, in fact, um, students go through the process when we find that they are sort of struggling in a traditional sense, and we um, do a standardized academic task test, the Wyatt, um, at which point, uh, depending on their results, they are referred for psychological testing. Um, and then are given an identification of a learning disability. Um, This article is really interesting because Joe Bowler discusses how we sort of need a new approach to that because, of course, this is really, really limiting. Um, And given what we now know about neuroscience and the plasticity of the brain, um, we no longer have to think about students' brains being fixed Um, And that's including those students who we diagnose and then identify as having a learning disability. Um, And when, you know, she sort of looks at the school system in the United States, and it it is uh, in Canada as well, um, and particularly in math classes, of course, since that's her um, area of focus and study, uh, she looks at sort of the the narrow way of thinking that a lot of schools have about mathematics and the mathematics classroom. Um, and that mathematics is often considered a subject of memorization, uh, which of course is then solidified by the fact that we are a standardized testing culture. Um, And so, therefore, students need to memorize methods to be successful in these really narrow tests. Um, An example she gives of this is the sort of obsession we have with the memorization of the 12 by 12 multiplication table. Um, And even worse than this, uh, she points out that the pretty much the worst thing you can do is timed conditions uh, with these sort of memorization of math facts. because fast recall is and memorization can often be uh, a struggle for a lot of students, particularly those with learning differences. Um, some students aren't good memorizers, but it doesn't mean that that means that they're not good at math. Um, so in a constructivist classroom, if we are valuing things like creativity, um, students who can visualize, who have strong reasoning and logic, uh, and, um, you know, over just memorization, then suddenly those students with, you know, sort of uh, learning disabilities can become 
uh, really valued in our math classes because of these different ways of looking at math and the fact that perhaps um, they're not good memorizers is actually an asset. Um, it's the sort of diversity in thinking that's valued here as opposed to uh, perfect memorization. She then goes on to talk about special education and mathematics anxiety, which I found particularly interesting. So to start off, she looks at some of the inequities that prevail in special education. Um, she's speaking here, of course, about U.S. classrooms, but I know that this is also the case in Canadian classrooms, um, that most students with an identification of learning disability happen to be male and students of color. Um, they're much more likely to be classified into special education than female students or white mainstream students. This is also true in Canada of students of color and um, our indigenous learners as well. So when children have particular problems memorizing disconnected facts, uh, this is often regarded as, regarded as having a learning disability. Um, so therefore, sort of low mathematics achievement is often used as an indicator of disability when we give them these sorts of tests. But students underachieve in mathematics for many different reasons, and that's often unrelated to cognitive differences. Math anxiety, this is where Joe Bowler sort of goes in this conversation, um, can often result in those same sorts of things um, that would come up in testing that look like a learning uh, difference or, or learning disability. So neuroscientists are now showing that mathematics anxiety is widespread, that it impedes the functioning of the brain, and that uh, us teachers can pass it on as well as parents, and that it can really look like a learning disability. So researchers now know, and as someone who has suffered from math anxiety my entire life, I, I know this to be true, but researchers now know that when people with math anxiety encounter numbers, the fear center of the brain is activated, which is that same center um, that lights up when people see snakes or spiders. And of course, what we now know about the brain is that if that fear center is activated, um, you can't problem solve. It's completely diminished. She then goes on to sort of prove the fact that uh, being labeled as having or being identified with, I should say, a learning disability doesn't mean that you can't learn mathematics um, because she looks at a few different targeted brain interventions which vastly improve students' um, performance in math. So studies, ha studies have shown that in really short periods of time with careful teaching, brains can be completely changed and wired and um, that all students are on a growth journey. And when we have that sort of dichotomous thinking that students are either smart and capable of high-level work or students have special needs, makes no sense if we acknowledge that every one of us, teachers included, are in this continual process of brain change and growth. Um, 
so she then goes on to talk about something called multiplicity and teaching mathematics through multiplicity. Um, and going back again, if it's taught as a narrow subject with only one way to be successful, uh, basically reproducing exactly what your teacher was able to do and what your teacher showed you to do and, and memorizing how to do it, then only a few, a uh, small number, a few students can actually be successful that way. Um, but if mathematics is open and if teachers work to recognize and value all the ways of being mathematical, um, including making conjectures, problem solving, communicating, reasoning, drawing, modeling, making connections, and using multiple representations, then more students are successful, which is actually a much more equitable way to um, teach mathematics and for students to get, uh, to get more out of your math program. So we need to sort of make an important shift, according to Joe Bowler here. Um, in school, as well as homes, uh, where we need to embrace struggle and celebrate struggle because neuroscience knows and has proven that times of struggle are some of the most productive times for your brain, and so that should really be celebrated as opposed to memorizing um, facts and formulas and regurgitating them. I really liked how she ended the paper which was with a question that was first asked by someone named Ray McDermott. And that question is, how would learning change for students if we did not have labels in our school system? And this one really hit home as someone who um, just became the lead special education resource teacher in my school, where it seems like a lot of my day and a lot of my time is spent uh, doing exactly that. Um, labeling students and um, identifying students and then putting them into programs um, for those for those identifications um, and that's I think where I would like to leave this podcast as well because that's a it's a huge question and one that I know that I will be thinking of and grappling with over, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, Because if my students, I know that the students who I teach directly in my student support center um, have really low self-esteem. They've they've come all the way through elementary school and are in grade seven and eight. And I know that they have a lot of really strong feelings about the fact that they have been labeled as having a learning disability. And I wonder what would have happened if instead of, you know, labeling these students and withdrawing them from regular classrooms, if instead we embraced different ways of learning and knowing and showing that knowledge, if in fact everyone could find success within the regular stream. Um, So that's my ending thought for you today.